You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey guys and gals, it's the Pimcron, and this is the Pimcron Warhammer Podcast. It is episode 182 of it, and we are brought to you today by my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. You can help support the show. I would greatly appreciate it at patreon.com slash pimcron. And I, at this moment, I think it's P-I-M-C-R-O-N without the second P, but to be honest, you're going to have to try both. Um, and also, GameMat.eu for pre-painted terrain and um, neoprene game mats and STL files and all sorts of stuff. So what have I been up to? No, wait. Let's do topics first. The real talk is A Tale of Two Tables, How Attitude Affects Your Tournament Experience. And we went to a tournament this weekend, and the people next to us and were, were having a very different game than us except it was almost an identical game, but the attitudes made all the difference. And we are also having a Want That or Want That Not with Mog and Ra from the new Eldar uh, book, and whether or not we want that miniature. What have I been up to? My old buddy Mike Biancone from uh, Pennsylvania. I know him through Shorehammer, and we've gotten to know each other very well. Um, I go to Winter Blast each year. That's his tournament. He goes to Shorehammer. And um, very nice guy, one of the nicest guys I've met in the Warhammer community, and I have met a lot of nice people, but he's up there, one of the one of the nicest. And uh, we went to his baby Winter Blast this year. Um, it was only 24 teams instead of 50. It's normally 50 tag team teams. And my friend Josh and I, you remember Beastman, he played Necrons and so did I. We teamed up Necrons. Um, we also went up there with our friends Just James and Derek, and Just James was uh, Death Guard, and Derek was um, Demons. I think he mostly did Nurgle, but it was just Chaos Demons. Went up there, played all day, had a good time. I really did enjoy it. Now, I am going to uh, tell you that our first and second game for the tournament were nearly the same list. It was interesting. The first game... We played a guy and gal, I think they were a couple, a married, girlfriend, boyfriend, something, and they had a bunch of Slanesh demons the woman brought, and the man brought um, a Lord of Skulls, which I have not seen in a long time, and my Satan did him in, that was very satisfying, the Satan was just mortal, 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 and oh, you don't get your invul, and oh, you don't get feel no pain, or whatever, and the Satan, man, he, he put in work, and the Satan actually ended up surviving... The entire game. Their list also included three decimators, chaos decimators, which are a forge roll dread, and they don't worry about strength toughness. They don't worry about any of that. Each one of them gets two, two. I'm sorry, six d3 shots, and if they hit you on a two up reroll in ones, they deal mortals, and that is a bitch to deal with, honestly. Um, but we ended up winning that game and we won 67 to 48. So we didn't like knock it out of the park, but, um, 67, 48 is not too bad. And we got our first win. The second group that we played was an extremely similar list. It was three more decimators, but it also included, um, instead of a Lord of Skulls, it took Bellacor. Ugh, I hate Bellacor. He was such a jerk. Not the players, but Bellacor himself. And a bunch of demons, two, what are they called, Keepers of Secrets, and one Lord of Change, 
And like I said, those three decimators, good grief, they're a pain in the butt. And we basically were way outgunned there. Speaking of mortal wounds, good golly, between the decimators and Bellacor and the Lord of Change, they dealt so many mortals to us. But we were able to score a lot of points in the beginning, and then it just went downhill from there as they just murdered us. Now, we did a couple good plays, but ultimately they were also pretty capable players, and they had a very powerful list, and they even admitted that Bellacor is kind of a bitch. So... Um, the one player on that team was happy to see Bellacor die when we finally decided, you know what, we really can't score anything else, let's kill Bellacor. And we ended up killing Bellacor. So over the course of that game, we did kill two Keepers of Secrets, and we did kill Bellacor, and then a bunch of Demonettes and some other stuff, but that's about all we killed. And we lost that game 87-57. to 57. So they scored pretty darn well, and we scored uh, 57 points is okay. I don't think it's that bad. And finally, the third game, which I will cover in the real talk, because the the final game, we did loss. We did, we did loss. We did lose the final game, and it is seriously a story you're going to want to hear. It's in the real talk. I'm not going to say anything else about it, but we ended up 15th out of 24 teams, which is, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's not great, but it's fine. I always aim for at least 50th percentile, and that is like, Definitely not 50th percentile, but it's fine. We ended up having a great weekend with our buddies, and we had fun playing the games. And Derek and James ended up getting 4th or 5th place, so we were proud of them. They did, a good job, they did a good job, and they got store credit and all that. They actually got a prize for 4th place, which is nice. So that is basically my weekend. Um, what did I do this week? Oh, I've been playtesting Diceless Mass Brutality. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. We're refining this. I played three playtest games this week. I had my buddy Andrew over last Sunday, and we played, he beat me like, I'm gonna mess up these numbers, but like 15 to 11, I think, is what he beat me, and then I played Leroy Jenkins on Tabletop Simulator, and he beat me, once again, I'm gonna mess up the numbers, but I think it was 12 to 10, I think he beat me, and then I played my friend Elijah at the game club and he beat me. I was winning the entire game until he pulled it out in the last turn and beat me 11 to 10. So it's funny. I ended up getting roughly 10 points every single game and my opponents were slowly getting less and less points over time. So I think that means I'm getting better. Not positive, but it's been a ton of fun. Think of Warhammer, but with no randomness as far as dice moves, dice rolls. Now, of course, your opponent's actions are the randomness, and there are some other mechanics that keep things interesting. Like if you're losing the game, you get special perks, like where one unit doesn't take any damage at all once, uh, once per turn, and things like that. You can really change it up, but once again, just like Brutality... Um, fully customizable, using any miniatures, all that, but you are using squads of people like in Warhammer, and it is a ton of fun. And I think as soon as I'm done recording this, me and the kids are probably going to play another campaign game of their brutality campaign, so I'm excited about that. We've got a bag of brownie M&Ms to give them when we are done the game, because if they stay attentive and they participate the entire time and they don't wander off, then I bribe them with candy. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> anyway, I think that is roughly it. Um, if you could do me a solid, I really would like some of you guys to check out um, Pimpcron with one P, Pimpcron TV on YouTube, or you can search up What Hammer, W T 
W-U-T-H-A-M-M-E-R, one word, Whathammer. And just check out some of my sketches, my comedy sketches. I'm trying to get this channel off the ground, and um, it's a little bit frustrating. I know YouTube's a really big pond, and I'm a tiny, tiny microscopic guppy, but a um, little frustrating that it hasn't gained more traction. It's just, I think that legitimately nobody knows about it, because YouTube is so massive, so... Um, if some of you guys could check it out and subscribe and all that, I greatly appreciate it. I truly do think that these are funny sketches. I, I think I have a fairly good knack for humor, and um, I think you'll enjoy them if you try them. If you do like them, please share them with other people, because, like I said, that helps me, and I just want people to enjoy my stuff. Anyway, thanks for listening. Let's get on to this next segment. Want that or want that not? Hey y'all, it's that time where we review something from Games Workshop or occasionally some other company. And it's always, usually, mostly, commonly a miniature that we review. So today we are discussing Magen Ra, the uh, Phoenix Lord for the Eldar or the Eldari forces. And if you'll recall, he's normally covered in like bone. He's got like bone armor and he's got like a skull for a face. And the old model was... I don't know. I think it was probably one of the better old metal models that Eldar had. Um, he looked pretty neat, and he had big skulls on him. I don't really know his reason why he's got skulls all over him, but that's just his motif. So, for $45, you too can now own the new Magen Ra, which is clearly a larger model than the old one. And he's got a tattered cloak on with a hood. I'd love to know what his deal is. Why is he so dirty and covered in bones? But I am not going to go look up the lore because, you know what, it's not really my thing. But I do like the aesthetic of this model. It is in keeping with the old one. And he is very kind of Grim Reaper-ish. He's actually got a scythe on the end of his gun here. And um, like I said, all of his stuff is torn and ragged. And he's got bone, like, rib cages on his chest of his armor he's got a in my opinion far too large skull pauldron on his shoulder uh is it is twice three times the size of it twice the size of his head and i don't know why they made that design choice i find it a little odd but the rest of his outfit's pretty cool looking i really do like the Dark Angels sort of hood and cloak covering him, and I think they did, other than the shoulder pad, I think they did a good job of minimizing the amount of ridiculous skull stuff on him. He's still covered in skulls, but the cloak helps cover a lot of it, and the old one, I don't recall having a cloak at all, but he had these giant obvious, like, ribcage on his armor and, and things like that. He also has his, the typical, like, Phoenix Lord thing sting standing off his back. It's like a totem or whatever. It's got a big old skull, and it's like a spinal cord. It's pretty neat looking. I mean, honestly, the whole thing, I just don't care for his giant one shoulder pad that's a giant skull. That's a little much for me, to be honest. I would have rather seen some really neat design of some sort other than that. I don't know how he plays on the battlefield. I'm sure he's nasty. He's a Phoenix Lord. I mean, go figure. But the one thing besides the giant shoulder pad that kind of bothers me about this model is that he's practically doing a split. <laughs> he's standing on... You know how a lot of the characters now are standing on, like, ruined Eldar structure? Like, some sort of beam or whatever engraved with Eldari language? He is standing on two separate pieces, but the stance of him 
is, you know, a normal person stands and their feet are about in line with their shoulders, right? Well, both of his feet are far, maybe his feet aren't twice his shoulder width, but near about. I mean, he is very, there's no way standing on that doing a split, he's going to fire that weapon if, it, if there's any recoil whatsoever to it. And I just think that's kind of funny. I also find this model to be extremely busy. Like, I'm looking at it. I can't really tell, like, what part is his arm, what part is his shoulder pad, what part is his, you know, he's holding his gun up, right? Like, um, almost like, come on, guys, sort of thing, holding his gun up. He's not aiming his gun currently. But the arm that's holding up the, the, towards the barrel part of the gun, it's really indistinguishable what part is his arm, what part is armor, what part is the handle for the gun, I just find this model to be extremely busy and with a giant weird shoulder pad and doing a split while carrying a massive gun. Just a little odd to me. I know Aldaria is supposed to be dexterous and all that. I just, eh, I don't know. If I had the old Magen Ra, I probably would not buy this one. And I don't yet play Eldari, so I won't be buying this one. But you know what? He's a bigger model. I think I like it more than the old one overall. It's a little less cartoony, I suppose. And $45 seems a bit much, but he's a Phoenix Lord, so he's a little bigger than your average H HQ as far as, uh, as far as the abilities of these characters and all of that. I'm sure he's nasty. I have no doubt at all. So $45 seems like an even higher price tag because a lot of them end up being $35. Um, I don't hate this model in any regard. But there have been some strange design choices made, and $45 to me is just too much. So, unfortunately, I am going to have to give giant-ass shoulder pad doing a split Magen Ra a Want That Not. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Welcome everybody to Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and tonight we are discussing A Tale of Two Tables. How attitudes can change Warhammer and your experience in it. So if you want the beginning of this story, it's at the beginning of this episode, of this podcast, but the part that I left out in that description is that we had a little bit of drama during the tournament. The third round had just begun, and we had just finished deploying, and the table next to us they had already finished deploying, and they just did the movement phase of the first turn. That's it. And we hear an argument starting to brew on the table next to us, where the guy says, well, I never heard of that rule. And one of the opponents on the other side go, well, it's a pretty commonly used rule. You've never heard of it? He's like, I'm not going to believe it unless I see the rule written down. And the other guy goes, it's the drop pod assault rule. Space Marines have it. Drop pods have it. Like, it's, you know, they get to drop down in the first turn. And the guy goes, I don't believe you. And the other guy was kind of at a loss. He's like, you've never played Space Marines before? You do not know that this this happens this way? And, <laughs> and the guy starts getting really pissy. So a few minutes later, the person that's butthurt about this goes, you know what, man? I'm scooping. I'm scooping everything off the table. You win. Congratulations. And the other guy's like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. I mean, can't we work this out? 
Like, I deep struck my drop pods, and we've just done the movement phase of the first turn. My movement phase is the first turn. The other guy hadn't even gone yet. So, they fight back and forth. They eventually get the TO involved, and which is Mike, uh, a good friend of mine. And Mike comes up and goes, come on, guys, can't we work this out? And the guy's like, I never heard of no um, first first turn deep strike before. And Mike is like, uh, yeah, that's the drop pod assault rule. Like, that's that's a that's definitely a thing. <laughs> it's not making it up. So they had to show him that rule and everything. And the guy's like, well, I don't know. I guess I just had to vent, man. But this is effed up, blah, blah, blah. And he was he was super butthurt about it. So throughout the entire game. They keep, we're, we're four feet from them, so we, our, our table's four feet from them, so we can keep overhearing their conversation, and it keeps getting heated the entire time. Anytime this guy that was complaining about the drop pod takes wounds, then he's like, oh, I'm just, yeah, this is stupid, I'm just, I'm not having fun, this is a stupid game. But he did continue to keep playing until about the bottom of turn two, when he finally, after all this heated, anxious, I mean, the whole room... The whole room nearby this table was super awkward because these guys, you can just feel the tenseness in the air. You know how that goes when two people are arguing? And the guy that was upset about the drop pod stuff, I kind of somewhat see why he was upset, is because the guy deep struck the drop pods in a way to kind of block him in. And it's the fault of this is the deployment zone. So the deployment zones for this mission where you are one corner, you know, one quarter of the board, and the other guy's the opposite quarter, and your deployment zones are like 12 inches from the center or whatever. I don't recall what what mission it was. But um, that actually did mess up us as well, but I'll get into that in a minute. But he was kind of messed up because he was wedged between terrain, and then the drop pods really stopped him. So he was kind of um, blocked in a bit, but he really did not have to act in that way and it just basically ruined the whole game for him it ruined the whole game for his opponent and it honestly it slightly affected our game sitting next to him because we keep hearing these you just when you thought it was simmering down then all of a sudden it would kick back up again and like i said he quit at the end of turn two so and they finally like all right you you, you just call it just call it I'm, i'm i'm done and we're like, good God, what a baby. This dude was in his 40s, had to be. He had some gray hair, had to be in his 40s. And just, he came off as a as a, a little bitch. Now, obviously, that's frustrating when you get bottlenecked, right? Obviously, that's frustrating that deep drop pods can just kind of, you know, kind of wrangle you in in a corner like that first turn. I, I do get that. But it was two drop pods. It wasn't seven drop pods, you know, and he could get around. He was just somewhat bottlenecked. So uh, he did not deploy very well either. So it's there's several elements here. But the point is, is that you should, as a player, keep your resolve, keep your composure. And you might go, oh, man, that sucks. You know, but you're not going to, like, freak out about it. Right. And you're certainly not going to just quit because, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose. This isn't fun anymore. That's what the guy kept saying. Well, this just isn't fun. I'm not having any fun. And I'm like, OK, so once once again, I don't really blame him for not having fun, right? I get that. Because it does kind of suck that between the deployment and the drop pods, it did kind of, you know, hamper you. But the other opponent is just playing well and he happened to get first turn. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of one of those things. And you have to have thick skin when you're going into a tournament that you have to be prepared for cheese. 
because that's what it is. Now, unless you're, of course, going to Shorehammer's Highlander event, which is our main title event, and you can only take one of each thing, so there's that. But the point is, is I, I don't entirely blame him for being upset, but I do blame him for overreacting to it. Now, let's go to my third game that was right next to him. Josh and I were both playing Necrons, and we faced very, very shooty orcs and Imperial Guard. We had a bunch of Locust Destroyers, a bunch of uh, some Scarabs, a bunch of Wraiths, Ophidian Destroyers, uh, Annihilation, I mean, a Doomsday Arc, and a uh, Doom Scythe, and a bunch of stuff, a Satan, Night Nightbringer, and... Um, the deployment we discovered also seriously hampered us because the way the terrain was placed and everything, you really only had like one avenue, maybe eight inches wide to fit your whole army. If you did not go that avenue, you would be going probably 12 inches or more out of your way around terrain. So for our particular board and the board next to us, this deployment did not suit us very well. But Josh and I was like, oh, well, how's it, you know, that's how it goes, and we start playing. Well, this is the first time in my entire wargaming career that I ever experienced what I would consider a true alpha strike, and this is from Orcs and Guard. They rolled off, and they got the roll. The game would have been significantly different if we had gotten the first turn. It would have been significantly different. Now, the people we played against were very good, and they knew their army to a T, and they knew our army. So, because uh, one of the guys said that his brother plays Necrons, and he plays against them all the time. So he knew all of our tricks, he knew all of our stats, he was a very good player. And to be honest with you, before I go any farther in this story, after the first turn of our game, not only did I say, Josh, we're out of this game. Like, we're, we're just, we're definitely not going to win this game. There's no way for us to win it. And that's when we kind of gave up any hope of winning, and we said, you know what, we're going to go after moral victories now. We're going to score as many points as we possibly can, because I don't go down without a fight, and I'm not just scooping as a-hole next to us claimed, right? So, also, I have never, I don't know what sort of weird mechanic happened, but we had no right playing against this army. This army, by all, you know, accounts, should have been in the top probably three or four of the armies. I mean, we're playing, like, mm, nearly a professional list with a professional wargamer. So we were outclassed in many ways, and he, man, he had a finely tuned list. So we even said, Josh said during the first turn, he looked at me and he's like, how did we get this matchup? Because at that point, we were one and one. And I have no idea. They These people said that their second game, they just barely lost. Um, and it's because they misread the mission, actually. So it was a scoring issue, really. But they said they just barely lost. So they should have been 2-0, and oh, and we were one and one. Unfortunately, that's how tournaments go. Luck of the draw, we get these guys that are really out to kill. And it was a true alpha strike. So after their first shooting phase, which took at least 30 minutes to shoot everything, he had six Defcoptas, he had two of those rocket things that shoot a ton of DACA, um, you know, the jet blast a bomb. It's not the jet fighter, it's the thing on tracks, one of the buggies. He had two of those or three of those, and a Manticore, and um, a bunch of Toroxes with the 
Punisher cannons on them, and a Valkyrie, and a Dakajet, and just a... Of course, the stupid orc character that rerolls all of his hits and wounds, and every time he, you negate a wound, he gets another attack, and he had that nonsense. But actually, he didn't end up doing much in the game, because we killed him first. But the point is, is that Josh and I lost nearly half of our army in the first turn shooting. And that is no exaggeration. I guarantee you we lost at least a thousand points in the first turn. I mean, it was just nuts. Um, so anyway, it was, and, and of course, demoralizing is all get out because we were funneled in and they were able to get first turn. So they come up to us and, you know, we had a fair amount of melee in the army. I mean, we weren't just a purely melee army, but we had quite a bit of stuff that is pretty good in, in melee. And boy, oh, a bunch of uh, orc bikers too. And uh, anyway, so we experienced a true alpha strike. Now, we weren't tabled on the first turn, but by golly, they beat the crap out of us in that shooting phase. So that's when, at the end of turn one, when Josh and I were like, screw this, we're scooping. No, I'm kidding. No, to be honest with you, our players were very friendly, and we laughed and joked and all of that the whole time. Josh and I, after we saw that alpha strike, I told him, dude, we are not having any chance to win this. Let's just, you know, keep rolling. Let's see what happens. And I got to tell you, out of those three missions that we did, those three games, I am the most proud of my third game and the score that we got. And do you know why? Because despite losing half of my army in the first turn, we still scored 42 points. Now, I know that's not fantastic. I know 42 points is not a good score. But given that I lost half my army in the first shooting phase, I am damn proud that I was able to get 42 points. Now, they got 97 points. <laughs> they got 97 points. We got 42. But you know what? We did a pretty darn good job, completely maimed, completely, uh, the only model left on the board on the last turn was Pimpcron. The only model left. And to be honest with you, the guy we were playing, he had been extremely friendly, laughing, joking the whole time. I did feel like he was slightly crossing a line at the very end of the game because Pimpcron was the last model we had left on the board. And, uh, he wanted to go kill Pimpcron. This is the bottom of turn... This is... Yeah, top of turn four, because they went first. Top of turn four, Pimpcron was the only one left. And he goes, oh, I'm going to go after... I'm going to charge Pimpcron and kill him. And I said, well, you're not taking Assassinate, right? So it's not going to give you any points, right? And he's like, well, no. I'm like, well, Pimpcron's just standing there. He's not going to... He's out of range to do anything to anybody. So do you really have to kill him? And he's like, oh, well, well, I just, I just want to see if I can kill him. I'm like, yeah, but can we just not? Can you just spare him so that I can say he survived? <laughs> and finally he was like, um, okay, fine, I'll spare him. I'm like, but you didn't pick assassinate. You didn't pick, like, he would score no points. I feel at that point he was crossing the line a little bit because I'm like, come on, you gotta table me? Like, just just give me this one last model who will impact you not one single point. You will not take a single casualty by not killing this dude over in the corner. 
And fine. He was like, okay, fine. So he, uh, I thought that was a little much, but anyway, so Pimkron out of my negotiation, a diplomatic negotiation, Pimkron is the last model left on the board. And, um, so that's the way that went. But the big deal is that we weren't salty about it. I mean, of course we weren't thrilled about it, right? We're not, we're not happy that happened that we got aced on the first turn, but I mean, it was partially deployment. Uh, we wouldn't have nearly as much in range if we had, like, you know, Dawn of War-style six-foot-long deployment, obviously. And um, and if we had gone first, we would have been able to do stuff, because the Satan would have put a hurting on stuff and, and things like that. We would be able to Alpha Strike his tank and all that with our um, Doomsday Arc. But that's the way a tournament goes. You have to have thick skin if you're going to play in a tournament, because sometimes it just happens that way. Now, Derek and James... They got lucky on their third turn. They also were the same as us, one and oh, uh, one and one, by the time that um, they had got to the third round, and they got super lucky because for some reason, also once again, you're wondering why you're playing these people. They played a team that basically did not know how to run their army. They, I don't know if they were new players or maybe they're just not very good players. But James and Derek both said that they felt bad because James and Derek got like 97, 96 points in that third game. Now, think about that. That's another thing when you feel bad about your rankings, right? Is because if I had played, you know, beaten that baby seal team, if I had them on the third match, then, you know, that that would have been, I probably would have been two and one, and we probably would have been ranked real high. Uh, Derek and James ended up fourth or fifth place. I think they got fifth place. It might have been fourth. So they got up there. I mean, they, they got because they got max points in the last game. And um, and what's funny is going into round three, we were wondering if we were going to end up playing each other because our aggregate points, we had the same um, we had the same record one and one. And our aggregate points were like three or four points away from each other. So it very easily, if we were one point or so up or down, either one of us very easily, they might have played this dude that somehow ended up with a one and one score when he should have definitely been 2-0. and And we would have got the Baby Seal team that we could have just beat up and, and gotten 4th or 5th. So it's, you know, that's how it goes. But the point is, is we did not get salty. We did not get angry. We were cracking jokes. Me and Josh had just given up on any chance of winning it, but we did not give up on being professional and sportsmanlike and friendly, because it's truly not our opponent's fault that they're tabling us. I mean, it really isn't. It's they took the best list they could, right? We took, uh, admittedly, not probably the best list we could, but it was just whatever. You know, we took a list that we wanted to take. We knew we were not going to win this thing. We just knew it. So we had no expectations of, you know, this valiant championship in this tournament. And, um, and then, of course, the deployment, and, of course, them going first. Those were all factors. But you know what? That's the way a tournament goes. And the difference between our table and the table next to us is 100% Josh and Mai's attitude compared to the guy, oh, I never heard of the drop pod rule. Oh, come on, dude. You've never heard of drop pod assault or whatever it's called. Come on, dude. Like, you just... And, and you know what? I had, in my first game, I had a rule that I did not believe, because the first opponents we had, we beat them and in the first round, and they did not seem entirely like they knew all their rules, so when they told me something that didn't make any sense, um, I was like, um, do you mind if I see that rule? 
And they showed it to me, and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes more sense when I read it instead of them explaining it. But I wasn't rude. I didn't call for a TO. I mean, it's all in how you talk to people. Have you ever heard the the comment that you get more with uh, um, sugar than shit? Like, that's that's exactly what it is. So you get more out of life if you're just courteous to people and respectful. So that is the moral of that story. Josh and I ended up having a lot of fun that third game. And at that point, you have to just acknowledge that you're going to lose. And after that first shooting phase, I knew I was not winning this. I just knew it. But you know what? We bloodied their nose and got 42 points. And I am darn happy over that 42 points. We slayed their warlord, uh, both of their warlords. And um, it was fantastic. And now, actually, that we're thinking about that, I realize that we killed their second warlord and never got the points for it. So that's that kind of sucks. Um, assassinate. I think we should have got one more point. But the y- you get the point. Anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, keep those spirits up, even when you're losing. And thank you to GameAt.eu for supporting the show. And thank you to my pe- beautiful, sexy, be- uh, good-smelling Patreon patrons. And we will see you next week.